0: So we're starting a new series today and we're talking about unleashing divine blessings over our lives seems to be a subject unleashing divine blessings that we all are interested in whether we're church people or not church people like I'll take some divine blessings bring it on baby right so this is what we're going to talk about today but let's start with some trivia okay look at the screens tell me who is this person Ah, huh? who is that person distinctly distinctly it's Bob Marley the great Bob Marley right okay what was his first? For those of you who are Bob Marley fans, all right. What was his first recorded single? What was it? What's the name of it? Title. First one. First one. First one. Judge not. Judge not. Taken from the Sermon on the Mount. Bob Marley was inspired by the Sermon on the Mount, and so his very first song that he ever recorded was about the Sermon on the Mount directly judged not now who's this next person everybody knows this next person right can't believe i was talking to somebody yesterday they're 25 years old it's like i've never who's Bob bono who is that like what is going on here okay now, uh, Bono, everybody, anybody heard of the Joshua Tree album? Anybody? Still haven't found what I'm looking for? Okay. So on that album is a song called Waves of Sorrow. And he ends it with what they call the Bono Beatitudes. Now, the Beatitudes come straight from the Sermon on the Mount. What does the word Beatitude mean? It means divine attitude. A divine. And so he is describing from the Sermon on the Mount the divine attitude to have. That is Bono. How about this next one? Just shout it out. You know who this person is? Okay. All right. Leo Tol- Tolstoy. Leo Tolstoy. Okay. Fam- famous Russian writer. He, he, his, his novel, War and Peace, is often cited as the greatest novel of all time. He also wrote a book called The Kingdom of God is Within You. What do you think it's about? Sermon on the Mount. It's about the Sermon on the Mount. So he wrote this book called The Kingdom of God is With You, primarily based on the Sermon on the Mount. And then he had somebody pick up that book and actually talk to him about it. And who is this person? Gandhi. Do you know Gandhi read the Sermon on the Mount every single day? Gandhi said, it the Sermon on the Mount delighted me beyond measure. Gandhi said it went straight to my heart. And it shaped his philosophy and his movement. And then somebody came to visit Gandhi, and it's this person. Who is it? Dr. King. So the greatest humanitarian movement of the entire 20th century globally is based on, according to Dr. King, on Jesus' words, on Jesus' teaching from the Sermon on the Mount. Everybody... Here's what I've heard for my whole life. Every single one of us, every single person, it's just in us. It's in our psyche. We want to be a part of something great, and we're searching. Like, what is it? What is that great thing, right? Do I follow the commanders? No, that doesn't seem to be great, right? So <laughs> what do I follow? What a, what's a great thing that I can do that will inspire my soul? We found it. It's tried and true throughout history. It's the words of Jesus that inspired Bob Marley, that inspired Bono, that inspired Tolstoy, that inspired Gandhi, that inspired Dr. King. You want to be a part of something great? Don't go searching and wondering. Just go searching and finding. And those are found in the great teachings of Jesus Christ. And you can begin to follow those teachings today. We want to take a deep dive into Jesus' incredible sermon that actually changed the world. They changed the world. Jesus' great sermon on the Mount. Now, I wanna show you a video. This happened this past Monday night for a half hour. That line was outside of our doors. This group of people that you see right there represent the least likely people to go to church in the United States of America. They're young professionals. They're in their 20s and 30s. This city has been filling up with young professionals for the past 10 years. And you know what? They all wanna be inspired by Jesus' teaching. The very thing they're looking for. They're all looking for greatness. They're looking They're for to be inspired by something. And that is Jesus's great teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. But what they're asking, they're asking the same thing. They're asking the exact same thing that Gandhi is asking. I will go to church. I will come and hear and learn about these great teachings. But one thing's got to change first. Something's got to change. What is that one thing? Gandhi says, one thing's got to change before I go to church. Young professionals say, one thing's got to change. The massive amount of people in in this country, who want to desperately come and hear about the greatest thing in the world, the teachings that changed the world. And it's like, will you please change one thing? That is what we want to talk about today. Now I said a second ago, I want to take a deep dive into this. Jesus's sermon, this compilation of his greatest teachings that are in Matthew chapters five, six, and seven are meant to inspire your curiosity they're meant to you know, like get you to ask questions. I, I, man, it hurts me so much when I hear people say, you know, I grew up in church and I was told, don't ask questions. Don't ask questions. Just believe, just believe. That's not what Jesus is trying to do. Jesus in this sermon is trying to get you to ask as many questions as possible. He's trying to like instigate your curiosity. So let me show you this. We're going to, we're going to do, I'm calling it an online Q and A, but Q and A is a bad word. I just used it, right? It's more of a discussion. You can send me questions beforehand, whatever, but next Sunday, you've got nothing going on next Sunday. It's it's a bye week, right? <laughs> there's, no, there's no football games going on next week. You're just sitting at home twiddling your thumb wondering what are you gonna do, getting all of your Super Bowl recipes together and stuff like that, okay? So on the bye week next week, next Sunday, week from today at seven o'clock next Sunday night on YouTube, okay, and there's our address uh, for our YouTube channel. We're just gonna open-ended, right? Just, it's a great place to ask some questions. Maybe today we'll get some questions going. Now, here's another thing. We'll throw up a QR code for you here. Okay, I, I, I do this thing. And here's why I'm, I haven't said anything about this in like three years, right? I, I think there's like 600 plus people on this text thing that I sent out. I sent out one maybe two a week, one, maybe two a week. Okay. But for the next few weeks, as we study Jesus's great teaching that so many people want to learn and be inspired by, I'm going to send something out about Jesus's great sermon on the Mount. So if you want to follow that, okay, you just hit it, remember one or two texts a week, just hit that QR code and sign up. And then I'll remind you of some stuff as we go. All right, let's just jump right into it. Matthew chapter five, Jesus begins his great inspirational teaching in the third verse. And this is what he says blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven now what exactly is the poor in spirit hang on to that thought we'll talk about it in a second blessed are what i want to draw your attention to at this moment is that word blessed because over and over it's like wave after wave after wave of divine blessing just just wonderful wave just pouring out on us look at how many times it said nine times as jesus begins his sermons like he's trying to really get us think about blessings he's really trying to get us thinking about out and outpouring the divine blessings over our life and again it seems like something we're really interested in. so he says blessed are and then nine then nine total time blessed are blessed are blessed are blessed are so unleashing divine blessings in our life now that is a really churchy word right it's a real Bible word. It's a churchy word. You hear it in church. But you know what? You don't hear it just in church. Tell me where you hear it in life. like In your place of business, I bet you have heard the word blessed before, right? I bet walking up and down you know, hallways like here in this shopping mall, right? You'll, you'll hear somebody say blessed. Tell me when. Just shout it out. When do you hear people say blessed? When you sneeze, what do people say? God bless you. God bless you. When else do you hear uh, this word blessed or blessing? When do you hear it? Anybody remember that old movie, uh, Chevy Chase, National Geographic? No, no, not National Geographic. National Lampoon, that's right. National Lampoon, uh, Christmas, uh, whatever it is. Okay, right? We want you to say the, anybody remember? It? We want to say the blessing. So you say it over a meal. Okay, where else do you hear this word? Bless your, heart. bless your heart. Somebody brought that up in the first service. That's kind of a condescending way. Like when you say bless, you're not really saying bless you. <laughs> you're saying something else. Okay, right? <laughs> Where else? Where else? There's one other famous time we hear it all the time. Anybody? Have a, blessed day. Have a blessed day. Yeah, that's right. And and also at the end of political speeches, may God bless you and may God bless. Boom, right there. So we hear this word. It's out there. What does this word mean? There are two major biblical words that we need to understand that Jesus begins this phenomenal Sermon on the Mount with, two. Let me show you both of them one at a time, okay? The first is this. It's Barak, and in parentheses, I put, this is how you pronounce it, Barak, because I have a hard time pronouncing these uh, these Hebrew words. Like, Pastor Parker, he gets it. He's, like, correcting me all the time. The dude, like, dreams in Hebrew, okay? So, but for me, Barak, Barak, right? It's a divine pronouncement. That's the key thing. A divine pronouncement. Only God can bless somebody. I want to say that again. Only God. This is going to get really important for Jesus. Only God can bless somebody. Now, a little more trivia. What is the very first thing in the Bible that gets blessed? What is the very first thing in the Bible that's baracked by God? Anybody? Just shout it out. What's the first thing? First thing. First thing. Any answer is good. Just throw it out there. Come on. What? Wine? Wine. I did not see that coming. (laughs) I thought of a lot of things that might be said. But let me just give it to you before we go. You know, we got got Bob Marley today. We might be blessing all kinds of stuff. All right. Animals. Animals. Genesis 1.22. Animals are the first thing that gets blessed. People have been asking me for years. John, when are you at Grace going to have a blessing of the animal ceremony? I'm like... God is not interested in blessing animals. If we do that, we're going to have dogs all over this place. There's no way. And then I read this, and I'm like, oh, shoot. This is a deal here. We're still not doing it, but uh, anyway. That's the first thing. All right, what's the second thing? What's the second thing that gets blessed? What's the second thing that gets blessed? Human beings. Genesis 1, 28. God blesses humankind. God blesses Adam. You know what? The na- We've turned Adam. This is going to be important later on in the series. We turned the name Adam into a personal name. It's not a personal name. I'm not saying anything controversial, everybody. This is just this is just language. This is a Hebrew language. The name Adam means soil. It means ground. It says, humanity comes right out of the earth. That might be a good question to talk about next week. It almost sounds Darwinian. It almost sounds evolutionary. Like, humanity came right out of the dirt. Right out of the dirt. Because Adam means dirtling. We are dirtlings come right out of the ground. So so the second thing that gets blessed is all of humanity. So every single person in this room, right? If you're a human being, every single person has been baracked by God. Every single person has been blessed by God. You didn't have to do anything for it. God just loves you so much. He said, I'm baracking you. Period. Whether, whether, whether you like somebody or you don't like, doesn't matter. Every single person, God has pronounced a divine pronouncement over your life of divine favor. We see pictures all the time of parents. They love, you know, they, you love your kids, you love your kids so much. Or you see these pictures of parents and they're just, their whole face is lit up. That's what a divine favor is. It's just like, you know that God is smi- His whole face is lit up smiling on you. And it's fascinating to me, everybody, that in a museum somewhere in this world, We have the oldest scrap of Bible that is known to humanity that we have. And what is it? It's Numbers chapter 6. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. God is shining upon you. This is the first thing you know about Okay, Every single person has been around. Some of us don't feel like it today. God says, oh yeah, I want to unleash divine blessings on you. So you've got to know that you and everybody else have been pronounced this divine blessing over your life. Okay, here's the second Okay, Jesus is bringing these two words together. Here's the second super duper important word: Esher. share. It's about a divine direction. Everybody has been baracked. Everybody's had this divine pronouncement upon you. But if you want to see like divine blessings unleashed on your life, you don't choose about barack. God gives it, but you make a choice about your direction. The Bible's filled. With Jesus says, at the very beginning, the Sermon on the Mount, is so important, all of us know this, that the Sermon on the Mount is about heading in a divine direction. And Jesus is pointing the way about this divine. I said it a few weeks ago, God points, we pave. God's not going to like pick you up and throw you in that direction. What God's going to do is he's going to point the way, but you have to make the choice to follow. And when you do, and you put these two things together god unleashes divine blessings upon our life that is how it happens and that is why jesus begins it this way so over and over again from start to finish from the book of genesis to the book of revelation at the end we keep talking about two different ways to go there's a way of life and there's a way of death in the sermon on the mount we're told there's two ways for you to build your house you can build it on sand or you can build it on a rock You can build it on a foolish way, or you can build it on a wise way. And they called Jesus' disciples the followers of the way. We keep talking about two different ways. This is what Jesus is talking about here. I'm sending you in a divine direction. Esher, choose to go in the direction that I am sending you in. So it's really very important. Now, to go in the divine direction, everybody, it requires something. And this is what Jesus is dealing with, and this is where the Sermon on the Mount begins. It requires something very, very important of us. It's the same thing. Remember I said it ago, Gandhi's asking for something. Young professionals are asking for something. People all over this world are asking for something. They're asking for something to change, and that's what Jesus deals with at the beginning. What is that? Attitude. Attitude. Let me show you this. You put these two words together, barak and a share, and they equal a divine attitude. What Jesus describes at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, what we call the Beatitudes, these nine blessed are, these nine directions to go in, they all incorporate an attitude, a divine attitude. Our attitude. We need an attitude Jesus is trying to give us an attitude adjustment right at the beginning because, man, we came out of the dirt. We came a a very Darwinian, might makes right. The strong eats the weak. And so Jesus said, hey, I need to breathe into you the divine attitude that actually leads to life. Now, any pilots here? Any pilots? Anybody know about aeronautics? What, What do pilots talk about? The attitude of a plane? What do you mean about the attitude of a plane? Was the plane wake up with a bad attitude today? What's going on? What's with the attitude of the plane? The plane's grumpy today? The attitude of a plane is the direction of a plane. You need to change the attitude of a plane means you need to change the direction that the plane is going in. So Jesus says at the beginning. here's step number one to unleashing. You can't go to step two, three, four, five. You got to start with number one. Jesus says, here's the great way to unleash divine blessings in your life. And that is you need to change your attitude. Jesus says, we need an attitude adjustment. And the things he talks about following this, like be a merciful person. It's all about your attitude be a kind person, be the kind of person that's really into justice, but also compassion at the same time, at the same time, figure it out. It's tough. But Jesus says, you need to be about those two things at the same time. And the attitude that Jesus is describing is the very, this is why it's inspired so many people. This is why it inspired Tolstoy and Gandhi and Dr. King and Bob Marley. Okay. This is why I inspired him so much because the, what is being described, the attitude that is being described here, is the type of attitude that you want as your friend, that you want as your family member, that you want to work with, that you want to work for. These are the winning attitudes of life. This is what makes life great, what Jesus describes here in the beginning. But I want to start with the first one. Look what's happening here in the first one. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean to be poor in spirit? What it means is recognizing the fact. It's an attitude. I'm not God, but I need God. I'm not God, but I need God. Now, we can sum all that up in one word. And what is that word? Humble heart. Anybody been in a relationship with somebody who is just like off the charts arrogant? It is miserable, isn't it? It is miserable. Now you're not off the charts arrogant, but you have met people who are off the charts arrogant and they are so frustrating. You just want to run from them as quickly as you can. And it just drains the life right out of you. Everybody, we want to be in a relationship with somebody right on. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are humble. Blessed are those who know they're not God, but they need God. And this is where all it begins. It's the attitude. We need an attitude adjustment. Our plane has to start going the right way so God can unleash divine, divine blessings upon our life. You know what it says says, and I uh, think it's either Psalms or Proverbs. It says, this. I read this this past week. This is phenomenal. It says the people with this type of attitude, God will rescue. Oh my gosh. Like, how many times in your life? Anybody, need, don't raise your hand. Anybody need rescuing right now? Is anybody going to need rescuing next week? Here's the deal. To have this attitude, the unleashing of divine blessings, God will rescue those who have this attitude. And that's why Jesus begins his great sermon on the mount with this. This is the first step towards us. Jesus is trying to get our plane headed in the right direction so divine blessings can be poured out in our life. Now, I'm going to make a statement, and then we're going we're to try to land this blessing plane, Okay. You can't bless anyone, but God can bless everyone through you. That's the attitude. The attitude is you can't bless anyone. Remember, Barak is a divine pronouncement. If you think you're God, then we got a problem, okay? You can't bless anyone, but God can bless everyone through you. Now, let's try to land this plan. I want to ask you a very, very, very important question. You ready? Ready? You with me? Five more minutes. Are the Buffalo Bills cursed? (laughs) Are the Buffalo Bills cursed? So last week, person after person after person stopped me. I'm like, I'm engaged in conversation with somebody. Like in a deep conversation, somebody comes just kind of pulling on. Hey, I got to talk to you. I'm like looking at them and I'm trying to decide, like, do they really need to talk to me? I'm like talking to this person. Like, hey, this is serious. I need to talk to you right now. Come over, open up their jacket they show the Buffalo Bills (laughs) and then very seriously say, please, please pray for the Buffalo Bills. Now, why, why, why why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? You know why? Because the Buffalo Bills went to four consecutive Super Bowls, 91, 92, 93, 94. Did they win any so it's famously known, and NFL viewing rates are off the charts right now, which might have something to do with something else I'm getting ready to say. But they're off the charts right now. Everybody's watching. This is famous in the NFL. They are under a curse. They're under a curse. So people who are Buffalo Bills fans, like, they're just wigged out on this thing big time. You follow me? Okay, so are they cursed is the question. So I got a buddy of mine, and he's like, he's like crazy about the Buffalo He has forced his whole family to worship the Buffalo Bills. Like he decks out his house and all this huge monster stuff out front of his house, Buffalo Bills, Buffalo Bill, right? So I did some. Two weeks ago when they played the Pittsburgh Steelers, I knew he was getting tense. I, I knew he was concerned about this. So what I did is I bought him some slippers. And here's the slippers I got him. And I said to him, wear those slippers when they play the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then I told him this. I have anointed them for victory. Okay? Now, don't tell him this, but it's not true. I didn't anoint him. I was trying to build him up because you know, he was in a bad way. So he sent me a picture, right? I, I actually think I texted him during the Steelers game. and said, do you have the slippers on? He sent me a picture. He's got them right on his little feet right there. And then what happened, everybody? What happened? They beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. They beat him. So my first thought was, wait a minute. Wait a minute maybe i can market this thing in buffalo somehow I, something like it maybe i have the power maybe i have the power to bless maybe i can do that but you know what in all of my arrogance everybody i forgot that there was a power greater than me what is that power what is that power huh that's the power right there that's the power you can't go up against Taylor Swift. You can't you can't fight Swift Nation. That's too powerful right there. The only way, Buffalo Bill fans, you want to break the curse over your team, you get Taylor Swift to start dating one of your players, you will end up in the Super Bowl, right? Are we clear? Okay, so let's land this plane. Here's the deal. Who has the power to bless and who has the power to curse? That's what we're after. Here's the attitude. Jesus starts the great Sermon on the Mount unleashing divine blessings over my life, which God wants to do for every single one of us by saying, okay, let's get you in the right attitude. Let's get your plane moving down the runway in the right direction. Who has the power to do this? Now, there's a lot of different ways. We think about, we're looking at the Bible and wondering, okay, how do I interpret? And we all hear different interpretations. I want you to imagine with me for just one second you wrote a book. You wrote a book, and 3,000 years from now, that book is still being read by lots and... Like, it's the best-selling book of all time. Your book that you wrote 3,000 years ago. But people are struggling with trying to interpret it. What would you tell them? What would you say to them? I am betting, because it's the most rational thing to do, is to say to them, you know what? You need to go all the way back. First of all, you should talk to me, right? If you wrote the book, that's what you would say to them. Talk to me. But you need to go back 3,000 years to get as close to the actions you possibly can, you need to look at the language that i wrote in you need to look at the culture that i wrote out and you need to look at the community the original language the original culture remember a minute ago we talked about original language like adam i just thought it was a personal name all my life and there's no controversy here adam is not a personal name it's a dirtling okay original language so there's where you know little things like that. and the original community and here's the cool thing everybody the original community that wrote the bible wrote a lot they didn't just write the Bible. They wrote a lot about the original commentators, their original scholars. And what's really cool is it helps us to understand something. Now, what does that mean? Here's what it means. They juxtapose two very interesting people in the Bible. They juxtapose famous Abraham with the obscure Balaam. Like you Who's Balaam? I bet a bunch of us in this room, we don't even know who Balaam is. Who is that? It's because he's never talked about. And then he comes up every now and then, and the Bible just all of a sudden out of nowhere says, whatever you do, don't be a false prophet like Balaam. Whatever you do, don't be like Balaam. That's the way of death, Like, I don't even have any context. He's in one chapter in the Bible, and then there's nothing. What is the deal? Abraham, who's talked about a lot, and Balaam, who's talking about, and yet the original community says, nope, these two guys are pitting. So can I tell you the story real quick about Balaam in conclusion? Because to me, it's just really fascinating. It has everything to do about what Jesus is talking about right here. So um, there's this guy. His name is Balaam. And he's called in Scripture like a, a prophet for hire and israel has come out of egypt freed from slavery and they're making their way through the desert and the king of moab does not like the israelites he wants the israelites cursed and destroyed so he dials up the prophet for hire whose name is balaam and he says he sends emissaries to him says come i'll give you some money i need you to place a curse on the Israelites so the emissaries show up they say hey Balaam king of Moab blah 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 and he says wait a minute give me a give me a night I'm gonna pray about it so in the middle of the night he's praying and God says look whatever you do don't go it seems pretty clear right don't go don't go you can't curse the Israelites I've blessed them so it's not gonna work so just just tell them to go about their business okay so he sends them away the emissaries go back to the king of Moab and say, hey he's not coming but you know what I wonder if we offered him more money. So Moab sends even more prestigious emissaries coming back, and they're talking about a lot of money. And Balaam says, maybe I didn't hear God correctly. <laughs> you know you know how it can get in there? Okay, say so praise about it. Next thing you know, he's trekking off. And so here, here's where we have this juxtaposition between Abraham and Balaam. Here's what it says about Abraham when God spoke to him. It says, Abraham got up early in the morning. Here's language. Got up early in the morning. Saddled his donkey and took two lads with him and he met an angel. Balaam got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two lads with him and encountered an angel. This is the way the Bible works. Now, Balaam's trucking off on his donkey and the donkey sees the angel. Balaam doesn't. He sees this angel and the the donkey lays down underneath him and Balaam's just like beating the heck out of that donkey. And then this happens. Now, I am taking this straight out of the King James Bible. Does everybody know the King James Bible? If you don't know it, see somebody who's smiling. They'll explain the significance. It's the the Bible that uh, Peter, James, and John used, right? Right? They used the King James Bible. A lot of churches, they put right on their front. We use the King James Bible. So I just want to say the King James Bible. This is what it says. Numbers 22, 28. It says, and the Lord opened the mouth of, and I'm not going to say that word, A-S-S. Terrible. But the King James is using it, right? And the Lord opened the mouth of the, you know what? And she said unto Balaam, what have I done to thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? Oh, my gosh. It's like the donkey starts talking. And... Balaam, he doesn't seem to be bothered by this. He starts carrying on a conversation with a donkey. Now, listen, this is why some people say, you know, I'm not going to church. This is another, this is, this is another great question for our online Q&A, okay? Because Jesus is going to get into some deep stuff that, de- that deal with this donkey right here. Now, I was listening to a conversation one day between two people. One guy goes to church all the time. Another guy refuses to go to church. And the guy that refuses to go to church, says, that's why I'm not going to church. Talking snakes, talking donkeys, doesn't make a bit of sense to me. It's, that's, a bunch of, that's a bunch of foolishness. The guy that goes to church all the time says, that didn't bother me one bit. I go to church every Sunday. I listen to a talking donkey up on stage. <laughs> I don't know what he meant by that. I'm just repeating what I heard. So what, what is going on with this talking donkey? What is happening here? Everybody, why is the original community juxtaposing these two? And what does it have to do with our attitude? I want to show you something, and we're going to conclude with this, all right? This is God speaking to Abraham, the great, famous Abraham. And he says this, Genesis 12, 2 and 3. I, God speaking, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will bless. Who's doing all the blessing? Who's doing all of it? Who's doing all the blessing? God is. God is. God, 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 God. Abraham, he's passive. He's not doing a thing, right? I'm going to bless you, uh, and, and, and everybody through you is going to be blessed, and all peoples on earth are going to be blessed through you. Okay, so it's very passive. So this is true Barak right here. Like, God is baracking Abraham's world right here, right? Right? So he's, boom. It's all God, all God. Abraham's passive. He's just letting the blessing go through him. All right, check this out. Numbers 22.6. This is the king of Moab speaking unto Balaam. For I know that whoever you bless is blessed and whoever you curse is cursed. What's the massive difference between those two things? And this is why the original community, this is what they want us to see. And this is why Balaam makes so much sense. What's the big difference? It's because Balaam has the power. He'll decide who's blessed and who's cursed. He'll decide who is on the right side and the wrong side. He will decide who is in and who is out. It goes against the judge not that Bob Marley talked about in the great sermon on the mount. He has the power. Abraham, God's going to bless him. Abraham, you just going about your business. You go about your business. You walk in the divine direction. You let me worry about the blessing and the cursing. Abraham's passive. What you see here is Balaam is active. I'm going to bless. I'm going to curse. I'll decide who's in. I'll decide who's out. I'll make the decision for me. I'm going to show you a graphic. Check this out. It's on the back of a truck on the way to New York City. Jesus, it's better to know him before you meet him. Stop, drop, and roll. Doesn't work well in hell. Woo! Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I think this is a message from Balaam, not from Abraham. Jesus is walking along with his disciples one day, and they come upon a village. And the village says, we don't want Jesus here. We're not interested in Jesus here. Get Jesus out of here. We are rejecting the entire village in unison is rejecting Jesus. Get him out. And, and, and James and John, two of the closest disciples, come to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, you ready for us to call fire down out of heaven and just consume this entire village with the fires of hell? And Jesus said, finally, I got two disciples who aren't afraid to call sin, sin. Just light those people up. What did Jesus do? He rebuked them. He says, shut up. Shut up. We have to learn to stop talking. This is what Jesus' attitude is saying for us. We have to learn to stop talking about who is blessed and instead start walking towards being blessed. This is the message that Jesus Christ is trying to get across to us at the opening of the Sermon on the Mount. Stop talking about who is blessed and just start walking like Abraham toward being blessed. Stop following the false ways, the ways of death like Balaam, and instead follow the ways of Abraham who is walking towards the blessing and the world was changed and it'll unleash divine blessings in your life. This is what Jesus Christ is saying. Now, everybody, the Sermon on the Mount, the teachings of Jesus Christ have been inspiring people. I gave you the list at the beginning of all these famous people. It's been at the heart of the greatest humanitarian, globally humanitarian civil rights event that we have ever seen in the history based on the great teachings. Who would not want to follow? something that's great. Who would not want to follow something that's tried and true, the teachings of Jesus Christ? If you have never decided to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ, what better day to do it than today as we kick off this series? You and I are all searching for greatness. We found it here it is. I want to encourage you. Accept Jesus Christ and his teachings today. Lock it in and start marching in his direction. That's how we unleash divine blessings in our life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, so much that you share with us this truth. We're like just down here trying to figure it out on our own. You said, I love you so much. I, I am going to share with you the thing that, as Gandhi said, is going to inspire your hearts. It's going to delight your soul so much. Lord, for all those who are making that decision, like, should I follow the teaching of Jesus? Help us, Lord, to see the truth and to follow after you. The sure thing, the sure thing, your teachings, the sure thing. Bless all those now, Lord, who are making that decision to follow after you in Christ's holy name. Amen.